Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of today. Lord, for the beauty of your creation. Lord, for the beauty of this world you have placed us in, Lord, and for your beauty which is revealed to us through that, Lord. We pray that as we gather here today, you would speak. You would speak profoundly and deeply into our hearts. Lord God, there's so many noises in our lives. We pray that you would give us this beautiful opportunity to come and worship you and the beauty of this place, Lord. Give us singleness of heart and mind to hear you, to respond to you, and to be filled with an ever-increasing love for you, Lord. Please give me your words to speak to your people and make me faithful in proclaiming them. Lord, and fill us all so up with your word and your love that it flows out of each and every one of us and blesses those around us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. morning. It is so wonderful to see you all here today. Well, as a parent, many times in my life, I have thought, how do I get my kids to do what I want them to do? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, as a parent, okay, maybe you're not a parent, maybe it's something else. How do I get my co-workers to do what I want them to do? Or, uh, what's that? Your dog, right? Or your cat, if you're a particularly, and, and you're trying to get some, if you're an odd person who wants their cats to behave a certain way, and hasn't given up already on trying to do that. Yeah, how do you get them to do what you want them to do? How do you get them to do what you want them to do? Because you know that if they did what you wanted them to do, it would be better for them, right? Like you tell your kid, don't hit your sister, right? Would that be better for them if they didn't? Yes, and would it be better for their sibling too if they were not hit? Yes. But can telling them stop them? Occasionally it does, right? But most of the time it doesn't. They just give you the look. And then do it anyway, right? Do it anyway. So it was really interesting to me then um, this last week when I was talking to a friend who said that her son had, who struggles doing the right thing like the rest of us and maybe more than some of us, came up to his mom after having done what really she wanted him to do all week long. He came up to her and said, Mom, I feel so much better when I do what you want me to do. I feel so much better. Yeah, so after she picked herself up off the ground, right? Like, whoa, are you kidding me? You feel that way? Right, but that is really true. When we do what we should do, it feels good, right? We find ourselves in a relationship that's not conflicted. We find ourselves in a place of peace, a a wide and a comfortable place where there's room, uh, where we feel loved and we feel loving as well, right? And that was where this, this kid had found himself, like, wow, doing what I'm supposed to do feels good, feels good. Now, that brings us to our passage from the Gospel of John. And in John, we have eight references to love. Eight references to love in eight verses. Do you think Jesus is trying to tell us something here in this passage? 
right? He is just, he's just chocked full of love. And so let's look at the context of this passage for a moment, right? Because uh, this passage comes in the midst of what we call the Last Supper or Monday Thursday, right? And then Jesus is speaking at the table to his disciples and telling them about what he is asking of them, what he is calling them to, what it looks like to be his disciple. And he's speaking to them about relationship. And he presents to them and to us an idea that if he hadn't pointed it out, we might not have noticed because we just go through things and the disciples just go through life, maybe without stopping to reflect. But Jesus stops them and he says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. All this time, Jesus has been walking around with his disciples, teaching them, talking to them, talking to others, healing, feeding, casting out demons, asking them confusing questions they don't know the answer for. And beneath, around, and through it all, he has been revealing his own love for his father and his love for his disciples. And he said, these two things are the same. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The Father loves Jesus. Jesus loves disciples. It's all been a perfect reflection of one another. Interestingly, though, the way that Jesus shows his love for the Father and his love for us is through keeping his commandments. So here we have the the passage tells us, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, the inner poet in me cries out against this, right? Shouldn't love be like a free thing, not bound by the shackles of commandment? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, probably only in poetry, right? It only works well on the page, unfortunately, in real life. Commandments give proper boundaries for love, don't they? Right? It gives it the shape in which to live and to flourish. Love can be kind of like fire, can't it? Right? And so it needs that boundary like a fire pit or a fireplace, a place where it can flourish and where it can grow and develop, but where it will not burn and destroy. Right? Because love can destroy, can't it? Yeah, just the Trojan War, right, would be one way to say that love can burn and destroy. Commandments give it that boundary, that boundary in which to be loved. And it also defines what love looks like, commandments do. When I was, uh, when Tara and I were, I think, newly married or maybe just dating, we read a book called The Five Love Languages, and it talked about that each of us have different languages that we've learned how to receive love in. And those are the ways we receive love. Someone can give us, like, say, for instance, your love language is quality time, right? You find often in your own life that the way you try to give love to people is through that love language. So in a relationship, that's great if the other person appreciates quality time. But if their love language is acts of service and you just give them quality time all the time, what are they missing? Acts of service, they're missing the language they actually speak, right? So even in something so simple as the way we relate to one another, it needs some definition about how we love each other so that we can truly love each other as they desire to be loved, 
Not love them as we want to give them the love that we think is best for them. Right? You'll eat your Brussels sprouts and you'll like them. Right? That's not the way we love. We should love, is it? No. No. But that is often the way we do love. And so commandment helps give us some shape to our love, even in something so simple as relating to your spouse or your friends or whoever. The purpose of all this, though, the purpose of all this is not just rule obedience. It's not just doing the right thing. Jesus tells us the purpose of this is I've said these things to you. That's his purpose statement. So that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Who wants complete joy? Is anyone who's a fan rather of partial joy? Or semi-joy? Or maybe like a stub toe in addition to partial joy? Or... No, no, we all want complete joy. We want to feel that. We want to experience that. And yet it's such a rare thing. I was really struggling trying to think of an illustration of what complete joy looks like. Right? And so for a while I was thinking about Remembering coming back from deployments when I was in the military and that experience of coming back to your family and seeing them run to you and you run to them. But even that had within it some anxiety and fear. Like, how have things changed since I've been gone? How have I changed? How have they changed? When am I going again? Right? Those feelings. There's that anxiety. So that wasn't even complete joy. And then I remembered when my kids were little. Right? In that way that a child can laugh. Like when it just comes out of them and you can see all they're thinking of. All that's in their mind is just this bubble and balloon of joy. Right? And it just comes out of their soul. And it doesn't matter who's looking at them or who's watching them. And when you see that. That's the closest I could get in my mind. Complete joy. And who wouldn't want to live like that all the time? To have that joy just welling up in us, up in us. That is, it doesn't matter who's watching or what's going on. We are just filled with an irrepressible joy. That's what Jesus wants us to have. He wants us to experience that and live in it, not as a memory of the past, but as our present. And then Jesus lays down what he is asking of us. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So remember, the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loved his disciples, and they are then to love as Jesus has loved. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Who doesn't want want to love like Jesus loves? I mean, what an incredible call. And up until that point in the dinner, they were probably thinking like, hey, that sounds pretty good. I mean, aside from the foot washing thing, that was a little weird. But the other pieces of it, right? Jesus is a great guy. We love being around him. We want to love that way. But you and I, we're unfortunate knowers of the rest of the story, which kind of has this dark cloud over it because we know what's going to happen after this dinner. We know where the story is going. We know that it's not all going to be just fun all the time for those disciples. 
We know that Jesus is going to willingly go to the cross for the world. And the next sentence tells them what loving as he has loved look like, looks like. He says, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So in Jesus's economy, love looks like death. Love looks like sacrifice. That phrase makes perfect sense contextually. Because remember that after the dinner, where did they go? Garden of Gethsemane, right? And Jesus poured out his heart in prayer while his disciples slept, right? We see his love and we see our love. Then Jesus was betrayed by his disciple. What was his name? Judas. And how did he betray him? With a kiss. What is a kiss supposed to be a sign of? Love. 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 Betrayed with a kiss. So we see Jesus' love and we see our love. And then Jesus was taken into captivity and his disciples fled. Jesus' love and our love. Then he was tried and killed for a crime he didn't commit. His death for our failure. Jesus commands his disciples to love. But we see where their love ended up, right? Their love ended up with a savior on a cross. Their love ended up with their friend betrayed and handed over and dead. And we aren't so different from them, are we? Despite our best intentions, we end up in the attorney's office or the therapist's chair wondering where things went wrong. Right? Whether it's we weren't loved right by our parents or we haven't loved our children as well as we wish we could have or our spouse or our friends. Right? It often ends for us in failure, crushing defeat. We realize that despite our best desires to love fully and love as Jesus loved us, we fall short. Like Jesus or like the disciples, we need Jesus to show us what true love is. But showing us isn't enough, is it? Because we can put his icon on the wall and we can say, I want to be just like Jesus. I can put on the bracelet. What would Jesus do? But will that give me the power to love? No. No. I need him to love for me. I need him to put his love into my heart so that I can be given the ability to love. The other day I was washing out a water bottle, right? And so I put in the soap, put in some water, shook it all up. How do you guys get the bubbles out of those things? Copious rinsing, right? What I like to do is like put it under the spigot, turn it on, and then like just the what that the water come in and just pour into it and pour into it and pour into it. What do the bubbles do? They rise and they eventually flow out of the top. And after you've done that for long enough, what do you have in the bottle? Fresh, clean water. No longer contaminated with soap, right? Ready to drink. It's prepared. In the same way, we need Jesus to do the same thing for us. Because our lives, they're full of soap, right? And if we give people a drink of that, they're going to be out, out, right? It's a horrible experience. We need him to wash us clean wash us clean and to fill us so continually and so profoundly with his love that all the bubbles go away 
we are left with nothing inside of us but his pure love. Our collect of the day said this. It's really beautiful. You should go back at some point and read it. Like that kid I was talking about. We need God to give us the grace to do this and the will to carry it out so that we can experience joy in its fullness. Because the reality is, is that kid didn't get to where he was that week of obedience by having it hammered onto him all the time that he needs to do the right thing. Right? Do the right thing. Do the right thing. That's not the way he got there. I'm sure there were moments like that in his relationship with his mom. But he got to that point of obedience because he understood that he was loved. That he had been loved even when he was unlovable. And that feeling of love, like belovedness, allowed him the room and the space for obedience. It's the same for us. We will never get to this point of obeying Jesus' commandments by hammering each other with the commandments. No, we need to be filled with love to understand that we are loved even when we are unlovable. Us thorny, cantankerous, pride-filled, selfish people are loved. Loved by God more than we could ever ask or understand or comprehend. And it's from that place of belovedness and forgiveness that we are given the strength and the ability to love. May the Lord Jesus Christ do this powerful work in us. And may we lay ourselves, our lives, our abilities, our talents, our failures, lay it all at the foot of the cross and be resurrected into a new life of love through our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we do not have the power or the ability or even the idea, Lord, or the concept to be able to obey your commandments on our own and to love as you have loved us. Lord God, we fall so short. It's, it's laughable, our efforts, Lord. But we pray. We pray that you would give us the ability, Lord, to confess our failure, to confess our lovelessness, Lord, and to receive from you new life and new peace and a new ability to love. Put in us a new heart, Lord. Take from us the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Lord, and send us into this world obeying your commandments and loving you and showing that love to the world by laying down our lives for others. Lord, it is only in you that we can have the strength to do this. And so we commit ourselves to you now and ask that you would give us the ability to love. Love not only those who are lovable to us, Lord, but those who are unlovable. Give us the strength and the ability to love our enemies, Lord, and to sacrifice for them as well. And we pray that you would do this great and mighty work in us and so reveal your life in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.